calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Just straight up like, unboxing videos. Straight up unboxing straight up, like, videos. Like here's the latest Galaxy phone, and I want to open was it like, up for is, you. Yeah, yeah, I was like, is he just like really bad at unboxing? Like, why is he getting so much? Hate? How do you mess that up? I just like <laughs> yeah. I cut into the product every time, and the product yeah. always, yeah. Um, wow, I love. I absolutely love that. I'm diking out. You're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that is welcoming spring and wants to wish a happy coming out to all the flowers out there. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out about empathy with writer, comedian, podcaster, delight of a human being, Dylan Marin. Oh, I'm so excited for this. What a treat. But first, please, speaking of treats, give us one by giving us a five-star rating Aww. and a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also support us in other ways. Like, did you know we have a Patreon? <gasps> I think I've heard You've something about, about this uh, Discord. Would that be related yeah. to the Patreon? Something about like extra episodes averaging a half hour every week. Every week. If you want to hear Two Dykes Truly Unhinged, you can mm -hmm. be a patron for as little as $5 a month and hear us uh, spiraling. No, it, it's all the stuff that we used to have on the main app, except we, behind a paywall, are a little bit more free with what we talk about. And, uh, you know, during the pandemic, our episodes were getting longer so and longer because long. we had no sense of time anymore. Mm -hmm. And we took all of our usual banter and we packaged it into these off-topic episodes that are just for patrons. And there's so much there. We have a lot of fun on those. So head to patreon.com slash Diking out. Uh, we do have our monthly shows at Stonewall. Next one is April 25th. You know, plan a visit to New York around that. Come. <laughs> Make a trip of it. You should. It's a thing. It's a pilgrimage 
to Stonewall. We'll block off the best seats in the house if you make a trip of it and fly out to New York City. Yeah, or drive, road trip, whatever you're feeling, let us know. And we'll we'll make sure you have some seats. You can go to just like do gay bar hopping. Um, we don't need to. I don't know. We don't need to pitch New York City. <laughs> no, we do need to pitch New York City. It's a disgusting place, but there are some uh, great gay highlights. Though I guess you know we should shout out an announcement um, for a different city. As you are, bar is open in D.C. Did what? you see that? No. Yes, they have their place. It opened up. Congrats to Joe and Rach for opening that up. I can't wait to go. We should plan a road trip. And the coolest thing is they have the coolest thing for me. They have food and they have um, so cool <laughs> breakfast sandwiches all day and all night. That's my dream. That's... I love a breakfast sandwich available at all hours. I love breakfast. Yes. The only kinds of foods I can make actually but i love it even more when they're made and ready and at a queer bar yes yes i think that's what's been missing from queer bars for me is breakfast sandwiches so uh just a, a lot of love there speaking of gay bars i know carolyn yeah you know we were just saying we we put all our banter on the patreon that doesn't mean we could have a little banter here what's the gayest thing you did this week the gayest thing I did happen for sure last night. I don't know if this is actually officially a gay bar because it, but it's queer. Like everything about this place is that's a queer space. We have gay bars, queer spaces. Yes. <laughs> I finally made it out to all night skate. I've been wanting to go um, to see a house of quench show. That is like a burlesque collective with one of my favorite dancers, uh, Ruby Quinn, who I've mentioned before, who's also part of Honey Burlesque. But she also hosts a show called Bimbo Babes at All Night Skate. And it is it is something to be seen. Melody, I think you would love it. It It's not... Uh, it, it, it's a little bit of everything. Uh, there are um, like gay men burlesque dancers and like puppy gimp masks. Like um, this one dancer had this like tail, like a, a cat mask, and then this tail that was like moving in kind of like a spooky way. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it was so fun. Every and there's a pole. Everyone's so talented. The place was packed. Uh, it, it's called All Night Skate, but there's like no actual skating, but it's kind of like retro skate theme. They have um, like board games on display, like Girl Talk. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it's such a fun vibe, but I have to tell you, Melody, this is the queerest place I've ever been to. Yeah. It was so queer and just so like a little bit of everything. It also felt like a little bit like a euphoria after party. Like I felt like somebody was going to accuse me of being a narc. I'm like, I don't know if I belong here. I feel um, no, but everybody was so nice and everybody I met was great and everybody was having a great time. But there is definitely like a group. They must have been models who came in. And one of them in particular, we were all like, this isn't right that somebody is this beautiful. Yeah, like it's like, how did this like this person just walks around every day looking this 
beautiful. They, um, I, I must find their their Instagram. The outfit, the like everything about her was insane. And of course, they were on stage for a while, like doing a photo shoot um, after the performance. Uh, <laughs> but I, we're just like, what is happening here? It's just like so much going on between the burlesque show, uh, these, I, again, I'm assuming models or extras from Euphoria, or maybe they're on Euphoria. I don't even watch Euphoria. There's something very Euphoria about it. <laughs> At one point, there there was this person who was having a lot of fun the the whole show, and they went up to this like especially gorgeous person and just starts like gushing to them about how gorgeous they are. I'm like, this person must get stopped regularly just to be told how beautiful they are. Yeah, that sounds exactly like the vibe I've heard from other people. Got to make it to all night skate. Super like diverse um, in terms of like every kind of diversity. Right, right. Gender diversity, race diversity, sexuality diversity. Like it's just like this melting pot of just like hot energy. I don't know. It was uh, a great time. So check that out. I think their next performance there is going to be april 28th so just a little plug for that and besides that you know, like a more low-key gay thing was i got my hair um repinked and uh was talking with my hairdresser pixie ruth who's queer about non-monogamy um for the entirety of it so that felt like very queer and i feel like the other people in the salon were probably like listening and, and like learning something, you know, listening, learning, growing. <laughs> what about you? What's the gayest thing you did? Well, um, as you can see, I got my hair redyked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Significantly shorter. Sharp. You haven't said Looking a sharp. thing. Um, you have headphones on. It's a little bit hard. <sighs> Look how short it is. Um, it is. I like it. Pretty gay. <laughs> Uh, what else? Last night I got, um, news from my friend Julia. She was going through a hard time, bad news about her mom's health and Allie and I just wanted to take her mind off of it. We drove all the way to Astoria, (laughs) all the way to Queens we drove. Can you imagine? Wow. Um, Wow. (laughs) You drove, you didn't fly. Okay, great. And we just, you know, got all the weed and gummies and snacks and Greek food. Uh, the Greek food in Astoria. I forgot. Uh, the food in Astoria of all different ethnicities. So good. We yeah. just smoked and ate and cuddled up the three of us, uh, Julia in the middle, and we watched Watch Out for the Big Girls. We happened upon it on the Amazon Prime like homepage and we're like, whoa, what whoa, is whoa. It? Now that is Lizzo's new show. Where she is on the hunt to find new background dancers, backup dancers. Is it background actors and backup dancers? Because one of the girls called herself background. I was like, don't call yourself that queen. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, she has a group of dancers. She's sort of like auditioning them to it's all in the lead up to Bonnaroo. Um, okay. To see who can make it to the dance troupe because Lizzo calls her dancers big girls. They're all plus size. They're all yeah. so good, so talented, so queer. There's that. great queer representation. Like on one of the challenges, um, they have this like sexy stud director, like just like beautiful lesbian. I mean, it's clear immediately. Yeah. She's a dyke. They're a dyke. All right. And like one of, 
the contestants can't help herself afterwards um, and goes up to her and was like, I just want to let you know you are extremely attracted, attractive. I'm, I'm very attracted to you. Um, and then like she gets called out because that's not professional. Um, like they're all just like, yeah. there's so much queer energy, like kind of like dancers doing like femme moves that are mask presenting. It's just, it's so good. I didn't, we kind of turned it on as a joke at first. I'll admit not that the concept's a joke, but like, just like we thought we were going to sit down and watch a movie together and then we ended right. up binging five episodes in a row of watch out for the big girls we were so invested we were crying with them we were laughing with them it's such a good show i'm very much hooked i'm halfway through already and i can't wait to see who makes it to bonnaroo and who makes it to her tour it's sort of like this is also to see who can be a dancer with her on her upcoming tour very Love into that. it all right yeah. Yeah. I feel like I, I would be into that because I just started getting into a show that, um, of course, was canceled after one season by Fox. But this is a little bit gay because I only started watching it because past guest uh, Ashley Ray was tweeting about it. The Big Leap. And oh, that's yeah a, uh, a scripted show, but it's based on an actual reality show in London that was a bunch of like amateur dancers. It's not a competition show. I mean, you have to like audition and get cast, but they put on a production of Swan Lake and that's what it leads oh. up to. <laughs> so then this is like kind of a scripted version of that, of like creating that show and uh, very much... Um, sucked into it and and there's definitely like queer content um in that and yeah ashley ray influencer she really is um yeah yeah i wonder what she thinks of watch out for the big girls she is a tv critic um i'm into it it just satisfies so many needs i have from reality tv you know there's heart there's good music the dancing. They're funny. Everyone is so diverse in every way. It's a mostly black cast. It's just like, it's so much in one. And yeah, Yeah. I'm not, I'm I'm like assigning some of them queerness. I don't know for sure, but there's vibes. Queer. That's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 I love queer feelings. Mm -hmm. Speaking of queer and feelings. Oh my gosh. This episode we have for you today, just honestly, could have like a whole podcast of just conversations that I want to have with Dylan just because he's incredible. We are obsessed. Uh, Today we're diking out about empathy with writer, comedian, and podcaster Dylan Marin. Dylan hosts and produces Conversations with People Who Hate Me, a podcast where he calls up the people behind negative comments on the internet. He is also the voice of Carlos on Welcome to Night Vale, an alum of the New York neo-futurists, and the creator of Every Single Word, a video series that edits down popular films to only feature the words spoken by people of color. He recently joined the writing staff of Ted Lasso and his new book, Conversations with People Who Hate Me, is out now. Let's get into it. Dylan Marin, thank you so much for diking out with us today. I'm so honored to be diking out with you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) 
been wanting to do this for a while since I first met you, but now with the timing of your book, it does feel appropriate. So I'm glad we waited. Yeah. It is worth the wait. Thank you. I will say when I met you, this was earliest, like, you know, when you do that first event in January of a year and you're like, all right, right. the year is starting off, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. I, we we met at, I believe, Garrett Conley's reading um, yes. in 2019. And just so you know how long I've been living with this <laughs> book uh, in my head and also in my contractual obligations <laughs> at the time. I was already supposed to have been well into the first draft of my book. And I was okay. literally just, it's like, you know, El Cap, the mountain that Alex Honnold scaled in Free Solo, that like, just like face <laughs> yes, of a mountain. Yes, yes. Um, I felt like I was constantly at the bottom of that. And right. people were like, I've yep. been at the bottom of that. I know how oh, that feels. Okay, so I, uh, forgive me for appropriating your... Just as sightseeing. No, no, no. Not with any intention of climbing. I just sightseeing. Okay, and great. I can I well, can imagine how daunting that would be thinking yeah. that you need to get to the top. That's so <laughs> it, it felt like I was at the bottom of that. And they were like, Yeah, you just right. gotta get to the top. And I was yeah. like, Yeah, no, 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 like totally I can do it. And I can do it fast. And then it was just like <laughs> me staring, taking a lot of naps at the base, you know, like yeah. finding a grassy area to nap. A lot of snacking and then a lot of like other projects that I was like you know what it's time to start other projects because why yes. why do the thing that I have to do now and why not do a thing that no one's asking me to do right absolutely yeah. um my favorite form of procrastination is starting other projects it's procrastinating by being productive yeah. with other things and you're like yes. oh, okay this is art I'm feeling it this is artistry <laughs> so yeah um, but a beautiful f full circle moment that when I saw you, I was at the base of El Cap. And now <laughs> I feel as though with many, 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 a, a lot of love being sent my way, I have scaled to the top of it. So here we go. Yes, are. you have taken the selfie from the top yes. and everybody is liking it and validating you for it. And then just <laughs> dived off <laughs> with wings, with wings, with wings. I mean, that in yes. a safe way. Yeah. <laughs> Well, your book, Conversations with People Who Hate Me, is out now. When this comes out, it'll have been out for one day. Oh, but we ask all happy of our birthday listeners, one day. Yes, we did it. <laughs> what can our listeners learn about the week before your book release? What is the gayest thing you did this week? You know, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, and I, you know, when you're like aware of the question you're going to be asked, but you also like want it <laughs> yeah. to be like true and not like planned. <laughs> and the most honest answer I can give you is that I spent a good amount of time on Helen Hunt's IMDb page. Oh, yes. my God. And yes. I think that is a uniquely gay thing to just <laughs> mm -hmm. go deep on mm. an amazing craftsperson's IMDb. You know, like an actor who was huge in the 90s and being mm -hmm. on their IMDb, that's gay culture. That is gay oh, yes. culture, for Absolutely sure. Absolutely is gay culture because I was just wrapping up Danny Pellegrino's book, How Do I Unremember This? And at one point in it, he talks about the hunts um, as gay culture. Bonnie, <laughs> Helen wow. Hunter, yeah. Holly Hunter, the Hol three Holly hunts. Hunter, Helen Hunt. That's so interesting. And 
Does he include Ethan Hunt in that, the character that Tom Cruise played in Mission Impossible with the crew cut that (laughs) launched crew cuts? (laughs) Unfortunately, not in this round. Wow. Maybe, yeah. It it was gay culture in the, we're celebrating these 90s actresses. Yes. Gay culture. Yes. And I think that makes me, I mean, I have wanted to read that book. That makes me want to read it now even more. Um, But is it specifically... Like, I don't know what it, does he, he does he go into how Helen Hunt was uniquely like, I don't know what she did to us, but I wish he did. It was like he is so good. He has a reference for everything. Like yeah. he's so saturated in pop culture. And it was yeah. just like an, a one off that was just like brilliant. It was just like a one sentence. It was like, I was hoping she would bring up one of the hunts, you know, Bo- Bonnie, oh. Helen, Holly. <laughs> like, so um, I. I that stuck in my head, and I yeah. was going back and diving into these three actresses myself. So we had a similar, so we had a similar gay, gay, gay experience. Thing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Were there any surprises? Well, I don't know if this is the answer you're looking for, but I went a little macro with it. And you get a little existential when you're on someone's IMDb page because you start seeing like the um, density of work in certain years and the spreading out of work in others. And, like, I think she is so talented, so good, and to me was is 100% in, like, the Julia Roberts caliber of movie star. You know, like, just that, like, movie star that, like, makes you feel good. You're just like, yes, I will watch the simplest story, and if you are telling it, I'm there. There's something about you that feels like a guidance counselor whose office I want to go to in lunch, you know, and I'm, like, there. And I think, like, it's so interesting. Like, she had this 1997, right, where she, I think in the same year she won an Emmy and won won an Emmy for Mad About You, an Oscar for As Good As It Gets. And it's like, this woman is firing on all cylinders. <laughs> and yeah. she is probably still firing on all cylinders. It's just not... In as much of the public, it makes me hyper aware of like how fleeting this like hyper fame is, you know, the like the person of the moment. And um, and it also reminded me that I still have those incredibly warm feelings of trust in her. And I know I'm talking about a movie star, right? I, I understand I'm talking about a celebrity, but like. I just really like her, and I don't know her at all. And I just want to say one one last thing is uh, uh, someone I once knew, they worked with her, and they were a supporting role in a theater production that she did. And um, she only spoke about how generous Helen Hunt was and how kind and amazing. And I was just like, yeah, it all tracks. Love it. It all tracks. Yeah. I think we should just dike out about Helen Hunt today, honestly. <laughs> yeah. uh, two things. Will you say the thing about that hyper fame, how it could be like so fleeting in such a, a moment? I can't think about that and Helen Hunt without thinking about her younger doppelganger, Lily Sobieski. Oh, my and God. Lily Sobieski's uh, yeah. just, you know, all of a sudden was the it girl and then just vanished. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah you know. I also was a huge fan of Lily, you know, loved Deep Impact, loved Joan of Arc, if we remember the yes, TV yes. mini series. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. 
Haven't thought about that. It's also a long really time. sad one of like teen illness here on Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Maybe. Let's absolutely not IMDb it, but let's just say it's here on Earth. Yes. So that's an unfact checked statement. Yes. Um, Josh Hartnett. It was Lily Sobieski, Josh Hartnett, and there was yes, another yes. guy who was part of a love triangle, and there was also teenage illness, fleeting fame, Lily, Lily Sobieski. Yeah. And also, like, maybe that's how this world works, right? It's like— Right. Like, I, I always try and redefine, like, what success means to me, and I don't always have the healthiest answers for that. I, th- I think saying that I try to redefine it sounds like I have a healthy mindset about it. And then um, I wish you could see, like, what the inside of my brain looks like when I'm spiraling, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I think, like, you know, we asked this question so many times. Uh, th- culturally, we asked this question of, like, where did they go? You know, like, what happened to yeah. them? As if they owed us something. But it's like, right. we don't know that they were like, yeah, I had a great explosive period where I was everywhere and you don't even know this but I'm doing my best work now and I'm loving life and they're all visual artists I feel like everybody we ask that about if you look at their Wikipedia it's like they now have a gallery in Berlin and and Lili Sobieski because I've looked into it uh, I believe is one of those who is a a visual artist now yeah and they're probably so much happier uh, go (laughs) off their their art and not being a a public figure. Um, another thing is when I was in my early twenties, before I moved to New York, I was visiting, um, meeting up with some high school friends at a French restaurant in the West Village. Okay, brag. And my one friend was like, um, "Don't stare, but Helen Hunt is here." <gasps> And I spent the entire dinner staring at Helen Hunt. What are you supposed to do if Helen Hunt is in the tiny French restaurant that you're in? Oh, my God. It was after a play. She was doing a a play on Broadway. I forget which one. And then um, was was grabbing a a late dinner. And Helen. It was amazing. Oh, my God. She's (laughs) so good. She's so good. She's so good. I what I hope for her is true happiness. I hope for true happiness for yeah. Helen Hunt right now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. That, let's just talk about <laughs> Helen Hunt. My next and book. We're off to just a Helen gay Hunt. start. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is so gay. I love it. Can we just say that that's also a really gay name, Helen Hunt? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like yeah. It is gay. It is. It ugh, is. That name is gay culture. I mean, I don't know if you realize that I think a lot of queer women specifically are very drawn to to Helen Hunt. Mm. I I think it has to do maybe with her her voice or their jawline. Jawline. That's it. Yeah. That's that we're it. all yeah, very fond of of Helen Hunt since the since the Mad About You. It's her days. tenor too. Yeah. yeah. God. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> Uh, another thing that I just want to mention, because I didn't get to talk to you at this, but the last time that I saw you, you were performing on stage um, at MoMA um, for River Ramirez's show. And you talked me uh, into moving to Turtle Bay. No. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't move there. But that was such a funny. Oh, thank you. Dylan did a PowerPoint about <laughs> Turtle Bay, uh, and it was so informative. Uh, the area had no I grew idea. up, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a funny, funny place where uh, this is just true, where 
lifelong New Yorkers. You can tell them, yeah, I grew up in Turtle Bay. And their face just, like, goes dead. And they're really trying to, like, figure out what you're talking about. And you're like, yeah, no, Turtle Bay. And then you point to it on a map and you can see that they're, like, eyes kind of, like, glaze over because they never thought anything was there where Turtle Bay is. And I'm like, yeah, I'm from there. And they're like, oh, like, and, and you can tell that in the back of their mind, they're wondering, like, do you legally count as being from the city then? You know, because it's like, yeah. it's like, <laughs> it, it's just, um, I say this with love, but like at the time, at least, it felt like there was no culture. It was just Dwayne Reed's. Like, it yeah. was like, <laughs> the culture was Chase yeah. Manhattan Bank and Dwayne Reed. And that's about it. And that's about it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Turtle Bay is the area that I found myself in. I forgot what brought me there, but I was meeting a friend and she's like, where are you? And I gave her the intersection. Well, and we were like, we'll just walk around and find a place to grab a drink. Yeah. Yeah. And didn't realize it would be so hard. We're like, we're in Manhattan. How is this so hard to it's find gr- an amazing a place question you're to asking. walk into? Literally yeah. amazing question you're asking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, where are we that we can't find a bar in Manhattan? And I know right where now. you were, honey. And it was Turtle, Turtle Bay. Bay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 <laughs> Just that side of this, like, Kipps Bay. So that's every. That's all people know. Kipps Bay, yeah. Murray I was like, Hill, I know and you're Kipps like, Bay. I literally just pulled it up on a map, Turtle Bay. So I was like, Am I thinking the, of Kipps see? Bay? <laughs> this is how it goes. <laughs> oh my god! I'm trying to think of what's there. Yeah, a Trader Joe's at the top of it. I don't know. No, not even. <laughs> like no, no, Love no Trader it. Joe's. Unless a new one was built since my time of being there. But that's all I have to offer. <laughs> dang yeah (laughs) so let's talk about your your book that's out now conversations with people who hate me when i first met you dylan i was like this person's great i want to know more uh, about him uh you had a, a podcast i you know i googled you and i read that I was like, who who could hate this person, right? <laughs> and uh, and the the line I read was like, he started getting a lot of hate for his unboxing videos. Now I didn't research beyond that, Dylan, and I'm just thinking that you were doing just straight up like, unboxing videos, straight up unboxing, straight up like videos. here's the latest Galaxy phone, and I want to open was it like, up for is, you. Yeah, I yeah. was like, is he just like really? bad at unboxing like why is he getting so much how do you mess that up i just like (laughs) i cut into the product every time and the product always yeah um wow i love i absolutely love that in an alternate universe that's what it was yeah yeah and i i kept trying to imagine i'm like yeah i'm not a a big fan of unboxing videos myself but i can't imagine getting so worked up that I would hate the person yeah. who's who's doing it. And and then I also just thought it was funny that I was like, oh yeah, I got I didn't peg him for a YouTube unboxer, but I guess but here that's I am. his life. YouTube unboxer. Yeah. yeah. So I am. So I am. Can can you explain what these unboxing videos actually were? <laughs> yeah. So I, I was working at a digital television studio called seriously.tv and um you know we were putting out regular videos that were satirical in nature. And I was very lucky to be given like very free license to make what I wanted to make there. I I really loved that job. 
and I wanted to make like a weekly series, a refillable weekly series. I was so taken by unboxing videos as a concept, the real unboxing videos, the real yeah. ones you thought I was making. I was just so taken by them because at the time it was just so, you know, YouTube obviously wasn't actually in its nascent stage. Uh, true YouTubers, true OG YouTubers would tell you like YouTube had been around, you know, tr- YouTubers had been right. <laughs> creating the form for so long. But I think to even someone ingrained in the internet as I was, like YouTube was still like the new frontier for me. And so to see all of these genres, subgenres popping off and having immense popularity, I was so fascinated that unboxing was even a genre. And I say that without judgment. I really say that with true right. fascination. Because it's so relaxing. And, and, you know, something I watch now for just dissociation and relaxation is car detailing videos, like car washing videos. There's this guy, his name, his YouTube name is The Detail Geek, and he just like cleans cars in Canada. And it's like literally incredible. I think YouTube (laughs) has cracked open like type of media that people want to see that would never be commercial enough to have found its way onto television or film, you know? Yes. And so I really say this with fascination and love, but I was fascinated by unboxing videos, so I decided to satirize them by instead unboxing intangible ideologies as if they were products. Um, And, you know, this was in the summer and then fall of 2016, so as, like— the public square was just throbbing with with conversation about the presidential election and like there was a new topic that felt like it was on was on the tips of our tongues every single week so right. you know i unboxed internet harassment masculinity police brutality the mistreatment of native americans like the list goes on and on um, of these intangible things that I would open up, again, as if they were the Galaxy phone, as if they were um, a new computer. And so I would show off the components I found in it. So, like, um, uh, with the mistreatment of Native Americans, I, like, pulled out a globe and then a, some whiteout so that you could, like, w- w- cross out already existing and thriving regions and rename it as if you had discovered it for yourself, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it purely as a creative practice. I enjoyed taking, like, the intangible and turning it into the real, right? It's like writing it at its most basic. And that my videos were already kind of, like, picking up and taking off. But that series was the one that was, like, a sturdy thing that people tuned into every single week. And it, like... I felt like people were starting – well, not I felt. People were starting to come up to me on the street to, like, tell me that they loved these videos. Now, that's what was happening in the physical realm. In the digital realm, I was still, yes, getting a lot of love. But because I was talking about political issues, it was – people were becoming incensed by it. You know, like, just the vitriol I received was was – something I'd never experienced. I don't know if you want to lead into this next part with a question, but that is the dot, dot, dot that leads to uh, <laughs> the, the, whole, the whole book. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. 
But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Did those interactions make it to the hate folder yes oh my god <laughs> wow we have um, a hate folder to talk about we got, we got a hate folder i'm actually looking at the hate folder right oh now oh my um, god she still lives on the desktop i like that the hate folders pronouns are she her yeah 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 she her <laughs> i'm just I, let me just yeah i'm looking at her there she is I she's just petty she, she, she is. So I, as I was getting this like influx of hate, which again, like nothing prepares you for my right. instinct. And there really wasn't thought behind this. I understand now that it could be easy to be like, you were trying to maybe do something with these, right? And it's like, no, like I truly was just like, my instinct is to take screenshots of it and save it yeah. because it gives you a sense of control over it. You know what I mean? Yes. Like when it's just coming at you, you're like, oh my God, Everyone hates me. Whereas in taking a screenshot and being like, I am filing you away, then there's an actual number of hate. There's like a tangible number and you're like, it's just here and I'm containing them. And here is like a little digital penitentiary where they all live on my desktop. But the hate folder kept growing and growing and growing. And I developed this kind of weird coping mechanism which was that 
and a crucial detail here is that this was on Facebook. Um, th- my videos were popping up off on Facebook and that, remember that year when Facebook video was like it for a season? Yes. Yeah. 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 So it was, it was then, and, and it was, it was all fate because I don't think this would have been able to exist the same way if it were YouTube or if it were a different platform because as I was getting these comments and messages, direct messages and comments under my videos, I could click on the profile picture of the person who sent it, and I could be taken back to 2006. And I could see their lives for the last decade. I could, you know, see their family trees tagged with family members. I could see memes they had shared and and ascertain their political leanings from that. And I would scroll on their profile trying to construct this, like, three-dimensional human being. And again, I, I, this wasn't my conscious mind that was doing it. This wasn't like, all right, Dylan, here's what we're going to do. When we get the hate, what's going to make you feel better is you create a backstory for this person using the little details you have from their profile. It was more just like I needed to know that they were human beings And that made me feel better than the fear that they were these distant monsters who could really, really hurt me. Did you ever take it a step further, like Melody here? I know, I was like, And do an even (laughs) deeper dive on the internet once you had certain information about these people. simply must tell me about this deep dive. I don't know what you're thinking of, Carolyn, because I've done so much. Every time. I'm thinking about every time we we get a comment like from a slight diss to like full on rude to calling, you know, accusing us of what whatever a real you, hair trigger. We're working. <laughs> you like stop short of recovering their social security number. I feel like wow, 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 wow. <laughs> yeah. Can you, Melody? Can you explain to me as best you can what is behind doing that? I. That's a great question. And I've been thinking about it a lot because I'm reading your book. I'm, you know, listening to the podcast and I'm just like, wow, he's really um, coming from a place of love, it seems. And I feel like I'm coming from a place of hate. And I really need to evaluate like the motives here because it's just this like blind rage, honestly. But but but, but that's that's OK, because we as a species are not actually set up to deal with the internet, right? Like our brains have not yet evolved to adapt to seeing this many people this frequently, which also means adapting to that kind of positive feedback, which is a different book, a different project, someone else can do it. But right, like we, we can, I mean, I kind of tackle this in the first chapter of like the internet being a game. And as I was ascending with the metrics of the internet, I felt unstoppable. But it's not to say that's not real, because I think we falsely call the internet not real life when, in fact, it is real life. It's just in the digital sphere. But it's just, it's an outsized sense of self. And the same is true with hate. And so if your coping mechanism is getting information on them and you're coming from a place of animosity, that is your reaction. And that's a completely understandable reaction. I'm not trying to paint myself as a saint here. And I think it's important that I like tone down the like saintliness with which I like talk about this. But, and that's a preface and a pre apology. But I think my true instinct is to think like, how can I reach this person? 
And I think something else I just want to say is that I invite you both to roll your eyes and all of your amazing listeners, please roll your eyes as I say this next part, but I believe in it. So there's that. When I lead with love and then someone opens the door so that I can get to know them, that is one of the most amazing feelings to me in the world, right? Like our relationship started off on the worst foot, right? It started off with a negative message I received from them with internet hate. And if they're like, oh, wow, yeah, like I didn't think you'd see it, but yeah, come come on in, come on in. And they take me into their, you know, theoretical living room and we sit down and have a cup of coffee. Um, that makes me feel better. And by the same token, when I try to lead with love and someone doesn't let me in and sometimes violently slams their, again, theoretical door in my face, nothing crushes more than the fact of like, oh, I was trying to rehabilitate this relationship that you that you initiated. I was trying to rehabilitate it, and now you're slamming the door in my face? Like, that feels unfair. Whereas yeah. when someone is willing to open themselves up to me after they hurt me, then it's like, okay, well, well, this feels like we're on a we're on a good path here. So, yeah, definitely something to examine. Um, <laughs> I, <it's, laughs> I think I just um, it started with um, like dating apps. I just um, yeah. I started exploring my sexuality. I thought I was like this hard dyke, and then I was like, oh no, I'm I think I'm bi. I started going on Tinder around when that popped up, and. Um, engaging with straight men who were incredibly rude would say like racist just fat phobic like just everything um and like with facebook i you your tinder would be connected to your facebook and um i started honestly that with that like i would find the person go through their history yeah. find their sister their mom tagged um and yeah. i did um finally stop because I used to like really like rip them to shreds, take screenshots, find their mothers and <laughs> DM their moms. Oh, you would DM their moms. This wasn't yes. just information gathering. No, no, no. I would take oh, the information and honey. I would weaponize it. <laughs> Go. Wow. 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 Yeah. Wow. Okay. okay so wow. I stopped doing that because I had one guy in particular. I remember his name, Drew. Um, and I have a screenshot folder on my, and it's still there on my desktop and I could pull it up. But, um, he uh, sent me a message and he was like, I can read, um, Hey Melody, I just left Chicago and I won't be back for a while. So I can say what I really feel. Something about your face makes me want to put my thumb in your butt and then suck on it. (laughs) Now, mind you, I, um, had a bio on there that was like, I'm just here for the thumbs up tandem skydiving pics. This guy had a tandem skydiving thumbs up pick. Um, and I think he was uh, triggered that I like yeah. made him feel basic in a way. This was his um, first first That's how he opened the conversation with me. And so I go, "Hey Drew, I only swiped for you because I saw your note about white girls and I wanted to see how brown I am or I appear on my profile because he had a his bio was simply I only swipe um, or I swipe left on white girls." Yeah. This is when I was like, "Oh, this is like the the rock bottom of the toxic like weaponizing." Um and I I said, "I'm wondering if you felt the need to send that because my bio made you aware of how basic you are with that skydiving." 
picture. I don't know. I myself avoid white guys on here because of bogus comments like that. Get a fucking grip, dude. Don't take your height out on me. So then I go really vicious, um, like so quickly because I was very bullied as a kid. And I quickly realized as a kid, like if I just like lash out back, like I can like silence these boys. And he just goes, "Mm, I love it when you talk dirty. Um, I Google him. I find not only his Facebook, but the fake Facebook he used to make the Tinder account because he knew he'd be getting into trouble and couldn't use his real Facebook. I found his fake one, then his real one. I found his siblings tagged. I found everything but a mom. I Google. I find out the mom's name. I find an obituary. I. um, Oh, my God. And so when he, instead of leaving me alone and continues, I love it when you talk dirty, still harassing me. I go, is your mom dead? simply that this is from a stranger in the internet someone he didn't think was a real person just suddenly knows this yeah and i go i i would send screenshots to her otherwise i can send them to cbiz let me know now i had found where he works in philadelphia gotcha gotcha, and his employer's uh phone number etc etc email addresses i went nuts um and he said um yes she is and i'm really sorry <laughs> oh my and god then i like I-, I felt like the air taken out of me like i realized i started to like all it took was him to stop <laughs> and yeah. be a little human at me yeah to yeah, make yeah. me real like we just like had this weird moment yeah. and then i reply like total tonal shift like okay i just really encourage you to think about what you say to women on and offline I know uh, and know that you're not anonymous. What you say online is public and permanent. And he said, I didn't actually think you would respond because what I said was really outrageous. And then he goes, P.S. I'm not basic. So (laughs) that's what it was all along. And I said, thanks for acknowledging that. Please don't let your ego get in the way of respecting women. And that's where it ended. Wow. I mean, this is. And that was my last time sending screenshots to people's moms. The things to unpack here oh so that stopped it for you yeah well that stopped me like i mean honestly i met my girlfriend shortly after but i like (laughs) (laughs) i mean and Um, in that way thank you drew thank you drew for the blessing that you've given (laughs) yes yes yes. um and i speak for the whole queer community there (laughs) i realized how far i'd gone i was taking this person's mother's semi-recent death (laughs) and throwing it in their face and i was like i've lost all humanity with this. Like I need to log off. I got yeah. I, like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, this is so much mental energy. And then I didn't do things like that until I got on this podcast and I started getting, Hey, yeah. uh, like, um, yeah. and th- Carolyn, that's why I was like, wait, what's Carolyn talking about? Does she know my past with all this? Like, cause I w- used to go nuts yeah. on the internet like that with anyone who would wow. slight me in the smallest way. Um, so I didn't know if Carolyn was referencing that or how I spiral when we get hate f- for the podcast. Cause then I'll, it's like this weird, like hobby. I don't know. I'm just like, I need to know who this person is and why they said this. <laughs> I get why you responded with that kind of intensity because I think what happened is and I don't mean to like cosplay as your therapist or anything no I, just, I was gonna say free therapy Melody, yeah, yeah. It. come on well I, I just I, I've been doing this for five years so so if yeah. I may weigh in um yeah. I think like what you what your story perfectly encapsulates is that 
people have access to us in a way that they never had access to us before. Um, we talk about this frequently with celebrities, but I think it's important to realize it's also so many of us online, right? Like DMs are are open frequently and, and you can tweet anything you want. And sure, there are ways to privatize yourself, but there are only limited ways to really privatize yourself, right? And people have access to you so they can... They can take all of the things they're dealing with in their life, their insecurities, everything, and they can project it onto you and, you know, he didn't think you'd respond. This is something I see over and over again. I didn't think you'd read it. I didn't think you'd respond, which I think speaks to – and this is a dawning of a realization I had after I finished the book, which is like, okay, well, the 13th chapter would be like the (laughs) theme of insignificance that so many people feel. And that insignificance leads to – kind of feeling bulletproof. Like, oh, they're not going to see it. Like, right. I'll say this fucked up thing to Carolyn because, like, whatever, she's not going to fucking open it. I would say if we were not connected to each other and I was also a fundamentally different human being. <laughs> but but I think in what your story encapsulates is that when we are hurt by someone online, we also don't, we aren't fully aware how we can then weaponize the very understandable hurt we feel in ways that can then hurt them too, that then suddenly like the tide shifts, you know? So it's like, um, this actually just happened recently on my Facebook page. I had posted, I was was already going to do a book giveaway for in the week leading up to my book, you know, basically just like, hey, fill out this form, you'll be entered to win, I'm going to draw five names. And I figured, you know, it, it feels truly insane to be promoting a book amidst like a catastrophic war that is happening on the other side of the world. And so I was like, okay, well, here's the barest of minimums that I can do is that I can say like, hey, tell me that you donated, uh, you know, tell me how much you donated to an organization supporting Ukraine or another one if there's a really pressing matter that you believe in and care about, and I'll enter you to win. If you can't afford to donate, I'll make a donation on your behalf so that you can also be part of this thing. And so that was my, like, again, am I a saint? One million percent no. I was just like, what can I do so that I can acknowledge the reality of the world while also having to promote my book? So I posted this. And, and and someone made a comment uh, of, like, way to use a war to sell your crap. And I responded oh. to just be like, oh, like, I, I, I responded very gently because I was like, oh, I don't think that's what's happening here to just explain. Yeah. Like, I actually think I'm incentivizing. But I also said, and I'm, I'm not performing empathy here, but, like, I said, you know, like, I also get it. Because times are really scary right now, and I understand if you were set off by seeing the terms my book and Ukraine within the same post. You know, like, basically, it's we're all good here. We're all good here. I just want to explain where I was coming from, and I'm not really selling my book. I'm trying to incentivize donations. I posted that response to him. And then in response to this person who had hurt me with, we can all acknowledge, not nearly the most hateful thing <laughs> written right. online or that I've received, um, but a negative response, dismissive response. And people went in on him. And it's like, no mm. one wins here. No one wins yeah. here. Yeah. Because like, 
and my comment was was so upvoted, right? And it's like, then someone even commented like that this person got ratioed. And it's like, no, that's, pointing that out is also not a win because right. it's like, okay, well, I, I do feel grateful that I got to express what I felt and that people were supporting what I was saying. But when people are then supporting the victim of something and then overcompensating like when when the punishment does not fit the crime, you know, and like jabs are then taken at that person. I share this all to say that it's so easy for power to shift at lightning speed on the internet, you know? And so like this guy said this misogynistic fucked up thing to you and he had racist shit in his bio, right? Mm. And like that's horrible. That's just horrible, period. There's no caveat here. And I think you were so rightfully hurt by that that then I think it's easy for the recipient of something like that to forget that then they have the ability to hurt that person in the same way. That the internet like almost evens the playing field in a way that it's also like a constantly tilting thing where – it's it's weird. It's it's weird and it's something we're all learning. I could have hurt him in a disproportionate way. Like I mm-hmm. <laughs> he was in Chicago on a work trip. I yeah. had those screenshots ready to send to his boss. Like just so you know your employees using work time this way. Like I yeah. had yeah. so much information to weaponize yeah. that it was at this point it was like he yeah. just threw a a little like pebble at me and I like was rolling the boulder. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like that. (laughs) But I, I get it because he's, he's just weaponizing so much of your essence against you, which is cruel. It's literally cruel what he sent to you. And so we then want to respond in cruel ways back. And the internet gives us the tools to do that. And I think like, the the big thing I was always questioning with my work, right? Because like my my videos were becoming so popular and I was talking about social justice issues, but I was like, what am I, who am I reaching here? Am I reaching, like, I want to be talking to people who don't, I want to be talking about transphobia to people who don't realize that transphobia is a problem. But instead, right. I find that I am talking to transphobia to people, amazing, wonderful people who are like, yes, say that shit. And it's like, yeah. hmm, this feels really good in, in the short term. This feels so good to me because I feel like I'm speaking truth. And I, I mean that genuinely, I, I, I'm speaking truth. But what's the end goal? And so I think about the end goal with my guests a lot and the people in the hate folder is like, well, if my true end goal is to open someone's mind who wrote something very homophobic to me, then I don't think, and I'm talking about my version of that, that I don't think, like, my retributive response, my retribution of reposting their comment and making fun of their typos is actually going to eradicate homophobia, you know, or even (laughs) change their mind. And so, like, it's interesting because your story is, like, Ultimately, what we want to do is rehabilitate this person so that he never sends a message like that to a woman or person again, right? Like, Mm -hmm. to question 
why he has a racist preference in his bio, you know, like why why he thinks that's okay. And I always, I, I, I grappled with this early on and it's something I still grapple with, but like, do you get changed behavior by shaming them? The answer I've always landed on is no, but I also know that shame is our reflex. Like, we use shame because we're like, you hurt me so bad. I can only think, as you beautifully said, like, you threw a pebble at me, here's the fucking boulder, you know? So it's really complicated. It's really yeah. complicated. It's really complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you Work for sharing on. that story with me. Oh, thanks for listening. Oh, my God. <laughs> rage yeah (laughs) (laughs) when i learned about your podcast and started listening um i one i loved it i'm very much a person that wants to uh you know like like every piece of criticism we get i will take an hour to like write a very thoughtful email back to it i've been told that that's like insane like don't waste your time but i feel like you know, if I could just, uh, if I could just get through to this person, and I'm not sure what necessarily made me that way, but sometimes I think, like I, later in life, I spent my early 20s living in Atlanta, living in Georgia, mm-hmm. and working with a lot of, pe- and as like an out gay person, and living with a lot of people who politically I disagreed with, but also. Mm-hmm really liking some Mm, of these people that I disagreed with and learning how to have those things coexist. Um, But fast forward to 2016 and beyond, and all of a sudden the message that we seem to be getting, uh, especially from the internet and people that we do agree with, was stop humanizing these people stop um trying to understand them they wish you didn't exist and putting these people in this light that it's like they're not worth the conversation they're not worth Mm. um this which i on one hand i felt like well this is why we're we're so divided and to to what ends does this get us if we you know ignore these people but then on the other hand, it's like these voices that I respect so much that <laughs> that are saying these things. Yeah. And I'd be like, am, do I have like a blind spot? Am I causing harm by trying to understand no. people with different viewpoints? Yeah, that's yeah, you're summarizing the like main conundrum I faced as I kept making this project because right. I found that I was empathizing with my guests and I was really liking my guests. And this is, of course, where I have to say, you know, people don't realize this from this show, but so many of the episodes are either apolitical internet hate, you know, that is like actually not informed by politics. And also a lot of it, more and more, I'd say, I'm really fascinated by people who are on the same side, so to speak. And have had digital fault lines grow between them, you know? And so I, so my show is not just the right speaking to the left. And if you're curious about my podcast, I hope you'll, you'll, you'll jump around the catalog to see that it's not just that. 
But let's let's talk specifically about those right versus left conversations or right and left conversations, <laughs> as, as my show yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Um, is that when I was speaking to someone who espoused ideologies I found to be abhorrent, I also found on the same phone call that simply by being on a call with them, I was empathizing with them. This wasn't something I set out to do. This wasn't like, all right, Dylan, get into a space of empathy. It's like literally by speaking to someone and asking them to tell them, tell you about them and to open up to them about you and to hear them listen, like empathy just happens. It's like, that's it. You just have to talk to someone in a way that isn't combative, in a way that is mutually respectful, right? Huge caveats. But when you engage in conversation with someone, when someone, someone opens up to you, when you open up to someone, you just empathize with them. And so I had to really figure out how I could reconcile these two things. And I think I was getting all those same memos you're bringing up right now, right? Like resist is a big word that was happening. And there was lack of clarity about what we should be resisting. Was it like all human beings who believe in these things? Well, I think that's a message that travels really well on Twitter. And because it's a concise, flattened message that is true a lot of the time, but it's not true all of the time. And I think like Twitter is great for getting some messages across and Twitter is really bad at digging into complexity and nuance. And all of these conversations were just nuanced and complex. And I also think it is, I think at first I thought it was the way forward to have these conversations. And then I ultimately had to realize that it was a way forward. And that I fully believe in having these conversations. I love building these empathic bridges of connection, right? But I also understand why this is not for everyone. And people understandably don't have the energy to do this. You know, I know I have a lot of queer listeners and they write to me about how my conversations sometimes mirror the conversations they're having with family members, right? Like they are they're going to battle every single day to survive in their homes sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's like no, of course my my prescription is not like, well, you just got to sit down and talk to your dad who wants to kick you out of your house. It's like that yeah. would be criminal. <laughs> like this is for the people who want it. But I do ask or I hope my work is encouraging people who feel that they might be interested in engaging in that bridge building stuff, getting to know people who think differently, getting to know people who think the same as them, but they swore off as an enemy. If you are curious about doing that and your only hesitation is the edicts you're getting from the public square of the internet that are like, don't empathize with them, then I ask you to push past that. If you are coming up in conflict with um, your own personal safety, never compromise that. Never compromise that. If a conversation is going to make you less safe, don't do it. If a conversation is going to affect your mental health in a way that you can't handle, don't do it. But if you are curious to do it, do it. And if you can do it safely, do it. So the mantra that I created for myself that essentially allowed me to keep going was empathy is not endorsement, right? Like empathizing with someone 
is not co-signing their beliefs. It's literally just acknowledging they're a human being. And so, like, you know, Melanie, when you tell the story about, like, Drew, I empathize with Drew, right? Like, I also think that what he said was racist and misogynist, like, misogynistic. Like, both of those things are true, and that doesn't mean I'm like, racism is good you know it's like no (laughs) it's fucking horrible and it should be tamped out the question is how to tamp it out and is the way to tamp out racism by throwing a boulder at the people who espouse it some would say yes and i think you need all sorts of different approaches to tamping out the isms of society the hateful ideologies of society the bad behavior of society and i think i've i've in intentionally taken a more restorative approach to it rather than a retributive one while understanding why so many people want to take a retributive one too. I also feel like disagreement um, has become this thing like, oh, if you, if you disagree with this uh, person, like they are your enemy or there's no, there's like an allergy to, to nuance and and disagreement. Mm -hmm. We can no longer like agree to disagree and and coexist. And I feel like that has infiltrated the queer community Mm -hmm. big time and has (laughs) been causing like a lot of tension and rifts, like, within the letters of the acronym like mm-hmm. certain yeah. sex of uh lesbians like disagreeing with with lesbians and then not even wanting to id as lesbian anymore to yeah. because they don't want to be associated with with other people or yeah. uh you know there's certainly not uh just one monolithic opinion on certain issues among uh trans people and i think these these like wider trends of the the country being divided and and how we treat each other um online and that kind of like dunking on people or reducing things to simplistic things yeah has infiltrated the the community and is causing these rifts because we can no longer even have the slightest disagreement without thinking somebody is causing harm and violence and i saw this play out just yesterday on Facebook where um, a a trans woman who I'm friends with was giving her thoughts on uh, Leah Thomas, the competitive swimmer Mm -hmm. and just giving her views as a a trans woman. And it was just like a very nuanced take. And then there were trans women in her comments that are like, you are the reason we're being killed to this other trans woman. And it just made me so sad of like, how do we fix that as a community where we can engage with each other from a place of love? Because like, what is like our acronym if it's not about like coming together to like celebrate the love we should have for ourselves and each other? I think, I think you fully captured it with like no group is a monolith and no marginalized group is a monolith, which means that no marginalized group is going to unanimously agree on how to deal with and combat and or embrace their marginalization. You know, like I, there are going to be people who say, fuck the oppressor. And if you empathize with them, you're not only as bad as them, you are worse than them. And 
there are going to be people, and, and they are saying that informed by their own experience, their own life experiences. Maybe they tried that and it bit them so hard that they were so hurt by that bite that they never wanted to go back. Or maybe they are incredibly well-studied and well-read and they know so many times throughout history where trying to empathize with your oppressor didn't work. And then there are people who unintentionally and unknowingly want to mirror their oppressor because these are the beauty norms and social norms that they absorbed throughout their lives and that's their way to cope. And there are others who try to ignore it altogether and hate politics and never want to talk about politics because they don't want to have to be political simply because of who they are. So you like, I think it uniquely hits marginalized groups because we all feel oppressed in some way, or of course, some of us don't feel oppressed, and we then, that adds to the disagreement with the rest of our tribe, so to speak. Right. Um, and and it's really, it's really challenging, and I do think I'm fascinated by the fighting that happens within communities and the way that we're almost, especially queer people, we are tr trained to hate reflections of ourselves. And so mm. uh, in a lot of ways, we we try and fight who we are and and that manifests in, in that can manifest in some really nasty ways in the way we treat each other. Yeah. Yeah. When you said we hate reflections of ourselves, I just thought of like real housewives. <laughs> yeah. What what but how so? Yeah. <laughs> we, well, we've talked about it. I think we were having a, a conversation about Real Housewives and it was like, oh, the the people on that show that you hate the most, it's probably because they remind mm. you of yourself in a way. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. And that's why you hate them. Yeah. But it's also why we like refracted reflections of ourselves, like people who right. <laughs> are our avatars but aren't us. You know, it's like it's right. diva worship among gay men, you know, because it's like... That's not us, but it's who we could be. And, yeah. or that is us in essence, we say to ourselves. Um, <laughs> so it's really hard. I think I was also trying to take it to a lighter place by mentioning housewives. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I love. <laughs> I know. I was just like, all these examples came flooding to my head. I'm like, we don't need to pick apart every like hate yeah. message. It all comes down to the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Right. And, I really admire the empathy you <laughs> um, practice and preach. Is this why you stopped using the word troll when talking about internet yeah. hate? I think I stopped using the word because I truly just found it to be irrelevant. Um, you know, I, I, at first I stopped using it because it's really hard to produce a show where you refer to your guests as trolls and then you're trying to get more guests onto the show. That's that's yeah, not a great right. invitation. Um, but I also think that, like, it's just not true. Um, we have we have this narrative that's still deeply embedded in our understanding of who writes negative comments online. And it is those people over there, trolls, it is like these these distant monsters who say these hurtful things when I actually think what we're seeing, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, is that the mechanisms of social media allow us all to engage in that behavior and it can be really troubling when you see 
brilliant, empathic friends do the same thing. And I'm, again, I'm not a saint. I am susceptible to all of this behavior. I have just spent five years thinking about this incredibly deeply, which is the only reason I have this like viewpoint of this. But I want to remind you that my instinct was just like yours, Melody. My instinct was to hurt the people who hurt me, you mm -hmm. know? And that's okay. It's just that we have to reconsider our narrative of who writes mean comments. And it's not these distant others. It is human beings just like us. And it's us, you know? There's so much that I want to talk about. I I really love the book. Oh, thank you. I was out of town. We received it. I know we scheduled this uh, interview kind of recently. I received it when I got home from being out of town. So I started reading it literally yesterday. Oh, and I, same. I just got mine. I'm oh, on page 180. One day. I'm on page one, 180. I'm not a fast reader. And I'm also just like very bad at being able to focus and get through things. But this is how much I enjoyed your, your book, oh Dylan. My it's, God. it's such a good read. And, um, and, and we've gotten good book, like great books for the podcast before. A lot of them will be like, essays so that yeah. each chapter is kind of like not necessarily tied to the next but yeah. you're um i love that yours is both like a lesson in each chapter and then kind of like the timeline taking you through that yeah. it's like what happens next in the, in, in this story so yeah. like congrats wow. on that it's just a, a terrific book you could not have said a better thing. I, am <laughs> I i like literally can't thank you enough because that's exactly how I tried to write this book, which was like, I, my goal in this was not to dazzle the literary elite. It was <laughs> to make it as digestible as possible so that yes. you could like read it, get it, take what you want out of it, disagree with yeah. some of the things I said, and then go about your life. And wow, I think I thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. No, it's it's the truth. And one part that I was reading um, this morning actually was getting into when you transition from just going uh, through your own hate folder to mm -hmm. um, talking to other people who receive hate and asking them to be on. And I I don't know if you remember, uh, Dylan, but I had like shortly after we met told you about an interaction I had with replying to someone. You said, oh, would you want to go on the podcast? And I said, no. And, yeah. <laughs> and you're in the majority of people. I know. I was I was surprised. But when I was reading that, not only did I feel bad, but we actually... Um, so like every other month we do a, a hangout on Zoom with our patrons and I was talking last night what was our hangout and I was talking about how we were interviewing you today and I was really excited about it and I said you know I really miss this uh, um, potential opportunity and I it's not done. I, I kind of <laughs> I kind of regretted it but at the time I remember saying like I don't feel like this person hates me and I feel like we also solved the issue and that was the reason why I didn't think I would make a, a great guess for this. Like, like I feel like if this person was asked to be on it, they'd be like, why? <laughs> like, yeah. I thought we took care of this and, and, uh, and wrapped it up. And, and I pulled out, um, 
I pulled up that that email because I haven't read it in a while that this person sent. And the subject line was your last episode became my last episode. It was just like such a dramatic, yeah. like, yeah, uh, like a long email f- filled with like so much like anger um, yeah. and anger that they thought that, um, you know, I was uh, calling them a, a, a turf for their beliefs. Like we were talking about turfs on, on yeah. an, an episode and they really got triggered by it. Uh, and I sent them like, uh, I spent a lot of time spending a thoughtful response and their reply was, uh, hi, Carolyn, thank you for the response. When I sent the email earlier, I was pretty angry. Sorry about that. I agree with you, actually. I guess I've just been getting angry lately because I've seen a lot of... Yeah. W- w- whatever. It, it just goes on talking about like how th- they were triggered and le- like they became like really introspective. Um, but then I was like, even though we solved it, it could still be like a very interesting conversation. I would love to make this episode still. Okay. Yeah. Cause I've yeah. never like, like turfs within the queer community. It, it's, it just seems like the one that like you could never, not that yeah. this person, not, I mean, no turf no, I, identifies I, as a turf, but like, right, right, right. but, but, but this is like the one thing where I feel like the, the chasm is, has been so wide, which was, I was so shocked when, when I received this, uh, they even ended it with like a happy holidays and a big image of like Snoopy and Woodstock decorating a treat. Like, I Go was off. Just like, what is this? <laughs> wow. How did this happen? Um, but it's good to know that, that maybe we could revisit this. We, we can always revisit anything you guys get, any emails you get, I, we can turn it into something. I love that. Uh, I'm yeah, such a fan of it. Such a fan of the book. Is there, I guess one last question, like, I know we barely got to all of our questions. We had so many, I know, but I loved this. I loved where we took it. I loved where where it went. (laughs) What's your hope for people reading the book? If there is one thing you would want them to walk away from reading it with, what, what is that wish? Um, it is to, um, Remember that it doesn't cost anything to humanize someone that you pass online. And most importantly, it also doesn't betray your long-held beliefs. It only opens a portal into someone and into conversation that didn't exist before. Love that. Hmm. All right. Where would you like people to buy your book and where can they follow you online? Follow me online. You can follow me online on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. I am Dylan Marin at Dylan Marin on Facebook. You can just search Facebook as I'm sure you're all so great at doing. And um, you can buy my book wherever feels right to buy my book. If you want to buy it from your local independent bookstore, that is great. If uh, you, you want to buy it on Amazon, I support that too. If you want to borrow it from the library, I really support that as well. It's I would love for you to read it however you can. Such a good read. I'm diving back into it after oh this my God. <laughs> recording. Wow. I really, really love it. And listen to the podcast. Yeah. The same name, the, the Conversations with People Hate Me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for having me. Thank, thank you, you for diking out, Dylan. Um, <laughs> I One love last question. Out. Can we hang out? Yes. <laughs> I know you're busy right now, but no, I would uh, love yeah, that. it's been too long. I would love that. I would love that. I would love that. Wow. 
I know. I was so sad to have to end that conversation. Me too. He just had a book come out, so we can't take too much of his time. But what a beautiful human. flew by. I know. Lots to think about. Left me thinking all day. Um, I'd also, I love that we all pulled personal examples um, for the conversation all from 2016. Ah, <laughs> like we were all just like, what a you year know, for hate. That reminds me. <laughs> yeah. You know, summer, fall 2016, this happened. Like my examples were all <laughs> 2016 right, for right. sure. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I know he, he kept saying, I'm not a saint, but I'm like, you kind you re- of no, are. He is. Like if we had to nominate people in the community for sainthood, uh, Dylan would be on the short list for sure. Yeah. So get him on a candle. Uh, I know he won't accept that, but I'm putting that on him anyway. Yes, get him on a candle um, <laughs> that hopefully does not get shipped to me broken in a million pieces. If you know, you know. Okay, let's <laughs> keep this going. With a listener question. You ready? I'm ready. <clears throat> I've been using dating apps like Her, Bumble, and OkCupid. I really want to find my person. Since COVID is still around, I really don't think going to a club or a bar is a good idea. Help. How do I get someone to date me? I'm almost 30 and have zero experience in the dating pool. What am I doing wrong? I have even joined Facebook groups in my area, but everyone is really creepy and is only interested in a poly relationship. <laughs> poly relationship. Hope that's mutually ex- exclusive. Wait, okay. <laughs> I so know. everyone's really creepy and is only interested in poly relationship, which is not what I'm looking for. I know. I saw that. I'm like, oh, please don't conflate yeah. poly people with creepy. Don't do it. So that's our we first piece of that. advice. Yeah. Don't don't conflate the two. Really separate those out into separate sentences next time. <laughs> and that's fine. You don't have to be looking, you know, you don't have to be looking for poly people or you, you can avoid them. Um Wow. Wow. I mean, almost 30 and zero experience in the dating pool. You must be doing a lot wrong. (laughs) Carolyn, we're cutting that out, you creepy bitch. (gasps) (laughs) Should we not? Let's. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. It is hard out there. There There's so many factors, and it's hard to know what's going on because. Of all the variables, you know, uh, we don't know like where where you live. Um, that can affect things on the apps. We don't know what your profile is, so we can't tell you if you have maybe some like glaring red flags on your profile. I mean, Melody, do you have any dating app tips from your days on the apps? Because you were successful on them. I know it was mostly um, it was a sex not- numbers game. Yeah. That I scored like, high on. I don't know if I was finding my person. I was very successfully. Right, right. Just hooking up. Hooking up. And, yeah. you know, I'm seeing her, Bumble, okay, Cupid. I'm seeing Facebook. I'm seeing things that feel a little outdated. Where's the hinge? Where's the Lex? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like we got to revamp the tools. Yeah. That's first off. Um. In, hmm. in terms of COVID and seeing people, I mean, it depends on your 
um, your health, if you're not like an immunocompromised person or don't have high risk factors and you're vaccinated, I know that there are variants and stuff, but there are also some like antiviral drugs that seem to be um, helping people who, who get COVID. Uh, I, well, well, I'm trying to talk this person and like, don't be scared about going to a bar. I, I think meeting people in person is, is honestly one of the, the best ways to meet people. Yeah, it's that's like right. Right when I got vibe. off the apps, I um, started dating Allie. Um, but that's not yeah. the case for everyone. Obviously, they do work for so many people. But not, also, but I, I don't think as someone who's like been going to bars like a lot, a lot this um this past year or like since being uh vaccinated like uh i don't think it's like a horrible idea if you can like properly assess the risk for yourself Mm -hmm. that's all that's all i'm saying um (laughs) you're just like sounded you were like just get it i mean there's pills now (laughs) no (laughs) i'm not encouraging people to get covid i'm just at some point you know we're over two years into a pandemic. Uh, life is short and you got to live. It. And we're horny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're you're in your late 20s, like live it up. Seize the gay. Get to the queer spaces. Um, Seize the gay. That's a put that in your profile. Shirt? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, is, is that merch or does that sound like we're encouraging hate crimes? <laughs> there's the gay season oh yeah don't do that well let's chew on that um yeah i think uh, what am i doing wrong it's like are you being proactive are you waiting for someone to message you on these dating apps and no one is and that's a failure in your mind what are you doing what are you not doing what is your bio like (laughs) what um like is it how you're afraid of covid i don't know what it you can are even, you afraid of rejection? Yeah. You know, are you not putting yourself out there enough or making fear of failure? You're afraid of failing. Yeah, yeah that's very real. It's something I struggle with um, in yeah. different areas. Doesn't not just uh, exclusive to dating, but yeah. um, you can. I love radical honesty on these things. Like, just like, listen, what's wrong? Things <laughs> I'm trying a new tactic like help me out like i don't know just be really upfront on them right otherwise what's the point of being on them yeah i don't know i've been out of the game for a while (laughs) i don't know should i for the sake of the advice column advice portion of the podcast be like ali just let me get on the uh, just like let me try to court people no that's (laughs) not fair to the other person i just want to be able to give the best advice and it's not because I'm just so nosy Melody about what's going on. She really out there. wants to get on the apps. <laughs> she loves people watching. Yes. Uh, just loves collecting data. My as thumb we've is learned itching. on this episode. Yeah. She <laughs> wants to know <laughs> what the deal is. I mean, I I could be on the apps. I will not be on the apps. Um they don't work for everyone, and you're doing a great yeah. job of meeting people, you creepy poly. <laughs> I mean, I I think another thing, too, especially in the queer community is um, like focus on making friends and building out your friend group and then opportunities will come from that. So if it feels like a little bit much to be going 
after people like specifically for dates and romantic things, people are a lot less guarded. I, I would hope um, about friendships and um, you know, since Cecilia and I have opened up our marriage, we have made so many friends, so many friends, uh, lots of new friends in our lives. And then that's how you get to like meet even more people and find people to go out with and friends things like that. Setting you up. I mean, yeah. that's how Allie and I started. Um, yeah. Friends some friends were like, we're going friends. to we're going to Allie's for a barbecue. Let's go. And that's how the yeah. flirting started. And, that you know. Yeah. So. You know, you, you can what Bumble has options for for just being friends or you can just put yeah. in your profile like just looking for friends and uh, and then try to build that group. But best of luck to you. If you want to send us your profile, uh, follow up with an email and send us, you know, what, what you're working with. And maybe we'll. Yeah. You know, out of the queer generosity that, that we have, we'll give you some notes. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Uh, if you have a, a question, please send it in. Hey, send us a screenshot of your uh, dating app profile and then ask us, what can I do to make this better? And then we will address that on the pod. How about that? Juicy. I like that. <laughs> um, send that to decking out at gmail.com also you should be following us on social media uh, at decking out at decking out podcast on tiktok you can follow me uh, i'm posting shows i'm doing more shows i'm going to be in uh san francisco in oakland doing some shows april uh 6th through the 10th so you'll find all that um on my instagram at tgi carolyn i'm at melody kamali short and sweet yeah i'm not posting. like your haircut <laughs> yes um yeah i've been going through a social media funk but i think i'll maybe come out of it and you, you know if you want to see if and when that happens you can follow me at melody kamali great great thank you so much for listening this week see you next tuesday babies Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.